This is episode 87 of Teacher Approved. You're listening to Teacher Approved, the podcast helping educators elevate what matters and simplify the rest. I'm Heidi. And I'm Emily. We're the creators behind Second Story Window, where we give research-based and teacher-approved strategies that make teaching less stressful and more effective. You can check out the show notes and resources from each episode at secondstorywindow.net. We're so glad you're tuning in today. Let's get to the show. Hey there, thanks for joining us today. In today's episode, we're sharing four ways to build your classroom community and a teacher-approved tip for displaying student work. We start our episodes with a morning message, just like we used to do at morning meeting in our classrooms. This week's morning message is, what do you do when you get your class list? <laughs> Emily, kick us off. Oh, definitely start labeling things. That is my favorite thing to do, the thing I'm most anxious to do because I have so much labeling to do. But it can be risky to start right away, to be sure. But at my school, we got our list late enough that it was usually pretty safe. If anything, you might be adding students yeah, usually. Adding. <laughs> adding the names. Which is why I never did the numbering, because it would mess up the whole numbering system. But the things can be labeled by name, and then you can add more kids, and that works okay. How about you, Heidi? I think the very first thing I did, maybe I should be embarrassed to admit, is scan the list for any names I might know. <laughs> because if I already knew a kid's name, that usually wasn't a good sign. Or it could be a younger sibling. A sibling <laughs> which could be a blessing yes. or less of one, depending on the family. Yeah. We have some responses from our community. Jennifer said, panic. Same, Jennifer. <laughs> Lauren said, make a parent email group, label folders and make name tags, and make class checkoff lists for grading and assignments. She's got a system. Yeah. April said count and then check out the boy to girl ratio. Oh, that's if you're not a teacher, you don't know how important that is. Yes. <laughs> Tina said, I label everything, determine how they will be in the cubbies and make sure they are meet the teacher paperwork is ready. We get our list the day of open house. No, That's rough. <laughs> Donna said, send out welcome to my class letters and supply lists. Go Donna. And Robin said, wait for it to change. Oh, as it will. <laughs> We'd love to have you join the conversation over in our Teacher Approved Facebook group. For me, one of my favorite parts of being a teacher is taking a group of little strangers at the start of the year and working with them to create a positive classroom community by the end of the year. Coming together as a connected group over the course of the year is really the magic of having a classroom. A few weeks ago, we talked about our Add a Boy Back to School goals. Attaboy stands for Affirming, Training, Teaching, and Assessing. We got out of there at the beginning of the year. There's our boy. <laughs> In episode 73, we explained why affirming is the most important of those goals. So affirming students at the beginning of the year means intentionally creating a peaceful classroom that's safe and welcoming to students. It's looking for opportunities to give students ownership and choice. Affirming also means striving to recognize each student as a unique individual who contributes to our classroom in valuable ways. And of course, it's also providing time for fun and community building activities. It's so easy to feel like you need to jump right into academics at the start of the school year, right? You have math units to start. <laughs> you need to teach the writing process and assess your students' reading fluency. 
But spending time affirming your students at the beginning of the year makes all of the math and writing and reading and everything else you need to cover much more effective. It can be hard to remember when you feel so much pressure, but affirming matters because it's how we build relationships with each other. It allows us to create a classroom space where students feel accepted and included. That may seem minor, but it's actually vital to your student's success. When students feel accepted and included, it increases their engagement. And increased engagement leads to improved academic outcomes and reduced behavior problems. So increased learning and decreased misbehavior is a win for everyone. And isn't that what every teacher wants? <laughs> so really, the only downside to affirming is that you will have to be intentional about including it. It won't just happen on its own. So today, we're going to share ways that you can affirm students, not just at the beginning of the year, but all year long. To start with, it might help to think of your classroom community as a quilt or a puzzle. One piece by itself doesn't do very much. However, the whole group is incomplete if even one of the pieces is missing. The quality of the whole depends on how well the pieces fit together. For that reason, you'll sometimes see back-to-school activities where every student decorates a puzzle piece or quilt piece, and it's assembled and hung on the wall as a way of showing how we combine to make something bigger than ourselves. That activity is a classic for a reason. So keep that image of a puzzle or quilt in your mind as we share some ideas for building your class community. And because we love a list, there, list. <laughs> there are four areas we're going to focus on. So in no particular order, the four ways to build class community are recognizing our students as individuals, building a positive class identity, making connections among class members, and extending our community outside the classroom. Why don't you tell us more about how we can recognize our students as individuals, Heidi? I would love to. So back in episode 73, we mentioned that student names should be visible somewhere in the classroom, even if you use student numbers as labels. There should be names somewhere. At the very least, they should be on the door so that your students know that they are in the spot that is meant for them. But there's a lot more that can be done with names. Obviously, you can do the class puzzle or quilt activity. I've seen a lot of teachers like print off their student names in big bubble letters, and then they let the kids decorate them as a first art project. Oh, I love that. In our teacher-approved Facebook group, April shared a great way for helping students get to know each other's names. She says, The first few weeks, I do a king and queen of the day, where I slowly pull out a name written on a sentence strip from an envelope and say things like, This person's name starts with a letter near the beginning of the alphabet. It makes a long vowel sound, and I give clues like that. We go over each letter and its sound as it's pulled out. Then when we finally go over the last letter and everyone is up to speed on who it is, I have the king or queen come stand by me. I put a paper crown on their head. I ask them a few questions and let the kids ask a few questions. Then we talk about how many syllables in their name, point out any features like schwas, double consonants, vowel teams, etc. Then everyone gets a half sheet of paper and we write the king or queen's name on the bottom of the sheet, vowels in red, consonants in black. They draw a picture of the person and sign their own name on the back. As they finish, I gather them and staple them together with a king of the day or queen of the day half sheet of paper, and they take it home that day. We do this every day until we run out of students. I love that idea. It incorporates so many important things. She's teaching students how to use and respect each other's names. 
She's recognizing each student individually and helping the class get to know them. And she's adding in some great phonics work. Yeah, it's such a good idea. But if your students are too old to enjoy being king or queen of the day, a student spotlight is a great alternative. You could spotlight one student a day or stretch it out over the school year with a student of the week. Maybe you could allow the student of the day or your student of the week to bring a show and tell to share with the class and then ask them some questions so everyone can get to know them better. I know a lot of teachers have students bring a poster to share, but just a suggestion to maybe consider finding a way to recognize your students without giving the parents something they have to do. This doesn't come from personal feelings or experience at all. <laughs> no, no of course definitely not. not. <laughs> student of the day or student of the week is definitely an investment of time, particularly if you have a large class. But think of how great each kid feels when they get their chance to be recognized. Yeah, building classroom community does take time, but it's never wasted time. It's more like an investment in developing the best versions of your students. And remember, community building doesn't happen unless we're intentional about making it happen. So besides recognizing our students as individuals, what else can we do to build classroom community, Heidi? Well, we can work on building a positive class identity. That is actually one of my favorite things to do as a teacher. There are probably so many ways you're already building a positive class identity. When you set high expectations for students and hold them accountable for meeting them, you're building class identity. And along with that, explicitly teaching your procedures and expectations does a lot for shaping your class identity, as does celebrating mistakes and fostering a growth mindset culture. Those are some of the big ways that your class identity is shaped, but there are lots of little ways to contribute to a positive culture. You can make it a priority to greet students in the morning. You can set up a teacher mailbox so students can write to you. If you're brave, you could even have a class pet. (laughs) And if you're like us and you are not that brave, you can have a class mascot instead. Yeah, that's much more my speed. (laughs) I did have a class book fairy one year, which was super fun. Yes. But my favorite way to shape class identity is through morning meeting. Love morning meeting. Morning meeting has such a big impact on the culture of a classroom. In episode 28 of the podcast, we shared everything you need to know about launching morning meeting. That's a must listen if you need help launching it for the first time or you just want to make sure you're getting it off on the right foot this year. If you take nothing away from this episode, it's do morning meeting. We promise (laughs) that's the thing that will build your classroom community more than anything. But really any activity that brings students together is also building your class identity. And one of the best shared activities is a read aloud. Oh, I love read alouds. There's something almost magical about gathering everyone in for a story time. I read to my students multiple times every day. Oh, I did too. I couldn't get enough of reading to my kids. I'd do that all day if I could. Any book that lends itself to a meaningful discussion will help build your class community. But some great ones from back to school are Our Class is a Family by Shannon Olson. Several teachers in our Facebook group recommended that one. And that same author also wrote a letter from your teacher on the first day of school. I love both of those books. Of course, there's the classic first day jitters too. And Lanisha Tab has a fun pair of books. You're meant to read a teacher's top secret confidential at the beginning of the year and a teacher's top secret mission accomplished at the end of the year. And they both have a great message about how special the kids in your class are. 
There are so many more fun back to school books these days than when I started teaching. I know. It's kind of a shame that you can't stretch back to school books all year long. I know. You have to pack in as many as you can in those first few days because they're so good. And remind yourself that you're helping kids develop a love of reading and building classroom community by spending lots of time reading those books. So really, you're kind of obligated to read them all? Mm Mm-hmm. It's true. Hey there, teacher friend. Do you have a question or concern that could use a teacher-proof solution? We'd love to help you out by answering your question here on the podcast. You can submit your questions to hello at secondstorywindow.net and put podcast question in your subject line. Can't wait to hear what's on your mind. Besides reading all the books, what else can we do to build a positive class identity? Several teachers in our Facebook group mentioned that they use STEM activities to build community. Angie said that she particularly likes the activity Saving Sam, which involves a gummy worm. And I wasn't familiar with this, so I watched a video about it. The kids work as groups to rescue a gummy worm. It looks like a lot of fun, and I can definitely see how it would build a positive feeling in the classroom. And having kids work together is a great way to meet our next suggestion of making connections among class members. We want kids to see their classmates as their teammates, and solving problems together, like saving a gummy worm, is a great way to do that. The beginning of the year lends itself to -to get-to-know-you activities. A fun one that gets kids up and moving is find someone who... It's like a mini scavenger hunt. Find someone who has a pet. Find someone who likes to swim. Find someone who likes a food that you like. It's a great way for kids to start making connections with their classmates. And hopefully they'll find out that they have more in common than they thought. Your seating arrangement can also go a long way toward helping students make connections. Even if you move the kids to rows in a few weeks, starting the year with your desks in arranged tables sends the message that we value teamwork here. And of course, the very best way to build connections among people is to play and laugh together. Look for opportunities to have fun as a class. You can even make it part of your daily routine. Jeff from our community said that he starts off the school day by sharing a Laffy Taffy joke. (laughs) You can't go wrong with a cheesy joke. (laughs) And we like to laugh and connect with our students every day with our daily morning messages, which we use as part of our morning meetings. And we'll link to those slides in the show notes. Okay, so we are recognizing individual students, building a positive class identity, helping make connections among class members. Emily, what's the fourth way we can build class community? We can do that by extending our class's impact outside of our classroom. That might look like having your class write thank you notes to a school helper or bringing in the soccer balls that have been abandoned on the playground. You can look for all of the little ways that your students can make an impact. Or maybe you want to implement a dedicated kindness program or raise awareness of an important cause. Working as a class to provide service is one of the most powerful ways to build relationships. This does require more planning and forethought than most of the suggestions we've made in this episode. It's okay if that feels too far outside of what you can handle right now. Take what works for you here and leave the rest. But even if you don't feel like you can take that on, I would recommend maybe tucking the suggestion into your back pocket as a just-in-case. If you have got a tricky class, maybe a class that argues a lot or is very cliquish, providing them with a meaningful way to make an impact might be the answer you need. 
Yeah, it's definitely easier to plan a service opportunity than it is to referee kids fighting all day. (laughs) Having a positive classroom community won't solve all of your teacher headaches, but it is a huge step in the right direction. So as you're launching this new school year, look for ways to recognize your students as individuals, build a positive class identity, make connections among students, and extend your class outside your room. We would love to hear your thoughts on how you build classroom community. Come join the conversation in our teacher-approved Facebook group. Now let's talk about this week's teacher-approved tip. Each week we leave you with a small, actionable tip that you can apply in your classroom today. This week's teacher-approved tip is make a student work display board. Heidi, tell us about this. So as is common in a lot of schools, Emily and I both taught in schools where examples of student work were meant to be put on display. The first few years I taught, I would spend 20 or 30 minutes after school every few weeks taking down projects and taping up new ones. The task got a little faster when we got those like cork strips along the wall (laughs) that allowed me to use tacks instead of tape, but it was still a time suck. (laughs) And then Emily, you came up with a way to one and done it. Oh, that's right. I had a huge bulletin board in my classroom that I wasn't sure what to do with. And honestly, I hate making bulletin boards and I hate changing them out. It's just such a hassle. So I dedicated that space to a student work display where they could display any work that they were super proud of. So early in the school year, I took a photo of each student that I put on a big piece of black cardstock. You could also have them draw a self-portrait to attach instead of a photo, whichever you prefer. Then I added a name tag and laminated it. I found some giant paper clips, like four-inch heavy-duty paper clips, I think at Target, that I attached to each one so students could slip their own work in and out whenever they had work they wanted to display. I've also seen this done with clothespins, too. We'll link to the paper clips in the show notes so you can see what we mean. I liked using the paper clips instead of clothespins because clothespins are really easy for kids to break. And when a clothespin is glued to a picture, it is tricky to switch out. Yeah. (laughs) I did have to really like tape down my paper clips on the back of the cardstock, like a ton of tape, a heavy duty masking tape or duct tape, because otherwise they tended to disappear. (laughs) But the tape was enough of a deterrent that I really think I only lost two in all of the years that I used them. Oh, yeah. That's the great thing. You can just reuse these paper clips every year. It does take a little setup, but I really liked this because it cut down on wasted time for me, but also because it was a way to actually celebrate my individual students. When I chose what went on display, I was telling the kids what they should be proud of. When the kids chose what to display, they were celebrating what they were really proud of. And sometimes it surprised me what they picked. If they didn't have anything they wanted to display, they still had their self-portrait representing them as part of our class community. And I really loved this idea, so I made it work in my own class. I didn't have the same wall space in my room, so I put the kids' self-portraits out in the hall. I did have to set the expectation that kids could only put one thing out at a time, because otherwise they were just like, everything, every paper they made ended up on display. But once we set that rule, it worked okay. I will say, though, it does look a little hodgepodge, having lots of different kinds of work on display. Using the black cardstock helps tone it down a little bit and kind of ties it all together. But it is not the uniform look that you might be used to. And if your school is big on impressing parents with what goes in the hall, this might not work for you. I hope that that's not true for you, though, because really, it doesn't really matter. It so does not. But 
If you want a way to make your hallway display more meaningful and less work to update, this might be your answer. To wrap up the show, we are sharing what we're giving extra credit to this week. Emily, what gets your extra credit? I'm giving extra credit to the book When in Rome by Sarah Adams. It's a modern rom-com take on the classic Audrey Hepburn movie, Roman Holiday. The story is about pop star Amelia Rose, who decides she needs a break from her demanding life and runs away to Rome, Kentucky. (laughs) (laughs) But of course, her car breaks down outside the home of broken-hearted pie shop owner Noah. (laughs) A broken-hearted pie shop owner. I know. You can imagine how it goes after that. It's the perfect fluffy rom-com read, and there's a second book out in the series, too, called Practice Makes Perfect, which I also enjoyed. I love Roman Holiday, so I'll have yeah. to check that out. What are you giving extra credit to, Heidi? So my extra credit goes to Morgan Harper Nichols. I know I've mentioned her before, but I get the best encouragement from her poems and writings. There was a bit in her newsletter this week that seemed perfect for teachers in August. This time of year... You know how it goes. It's just so easy to get lost in the to-do list and the worries. But don't forget to make room for all the good that lies ahead, too. And if you are already back in the classroom, if you're heading back soon, or if you still have a few weeks to go, consider this a little pep talk from Morgan and also for me. So she writes, Words for August. As you prepare your heart for all possible outcomes, remember to prepare your heart for positive outcomes, too. Prepare yourself for good memories, good lessons, and all the little places where sunlight will come shining through. Oh, I love that. (laughs) I thought that was a good reminder that this is so hard, but there's also so much amazing that comes with it. Yeah. That's it for today's episode. Remember our four ways to build classroom community, and don't forget our teacher-approved tip to create a student work display. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love if you shared it with a teacher friend who might enjoy it as well. It's the best way to help our show reach new listeners. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Teacher Approved. I'm Heidi. And I'm Emily. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow or subscribe in your podcast apps so that you never miss an episode. You can connect with us and other teachers in the Teacher Approved Facebook group. We'll see you here next week. Bye for now. Bye.